Hello and welcome back to the Steph Gorton Show. I am 2.5 weeks out from my wedding. Oh my frigging God, I am so excited. It's been a really weird journey. And for those of you who are married, you will totally know this. But like for the last 18 months that we've been planning, it just hasn't been that exciting. Like I've been a bit meh, you know, like, oh yeah, it's coming up, whatever. People are like, are you excited? And I've been like, oh, not really. It's it's all right. <laughs> but this last 12 weeks has been so fun. And I think that's because it starts to get really personal. Like you're finalizing your guest list and your seating charts and everyone's talking about it and like making plans because we're having our wedding outside of Perth. So everyone's making plans to come down. And it is just so exciting. And I'm obviously going to be sharing a few juicy details with you right now, but uh, because the photos obviously are going to come out in the day and you'll see them then, but because you're my podcast listeners, I want you to know some of the inside details. So Tim is actually German and his background is German, so his parents are both German. And so we're having a Stein drinking contest on the wedding day, which will be so much fun. We're getting married at a winery in a clear marquee under the stars. Down South is an incredible company called Hire and Style who have helped us out with this and it's been so good. The theme, we have a theme for our wedding and the theme is not a dress up or kind of a color theme, but it's about something that's really important to Tim and I, and that is connections. So we have lots of really cute ways that we're making our guests or forcing our guests to connect because it's really important for us that they all meet each other and get to know each other and hang out. The hens and bucks parties were so good for that though as well. And then last but not least, four days after our wedding, we're heading off to our honeymoon in Thailand. Uh, We're staying in Krabi. Uh, We actually originally booked Koh Samui, but then we found out that it was monsoon season the time that we were there. And we were like, "Mm, not really that keen on getting wet the entirety of our honeymoon. So we're over to Krabi. We're so excited. We're staying in the most bougie hotel booked by our incredible travel agent. So we're really, really excited. But this means two weeks off my business. Now, for me at this stage in business, this is quite normal. I've taken quite a few holidays now. And my most recent one before this was we went to Bali for our business retreat and I was completely offline that time for my business. But I know that a lot of you listening ideally want to get to a point in your business where you can take holidays and take as much leave as you like and know that one, the business is still going to grow and run, but two, it's not going to burn down to the ground, right? And I wanted to share with you today how I've got to the point where I can take two weeks completely offline and have my business not only run and just continue trucking along, but also to grow because it's such a good opportunity for your business to grow, which I'm going to share with you today. So there is two parts to this podcast. The first part is for startup solopreneurs, and the second part is for established businesses with teams. So the first part for startups or solopreneurs is to take a break in your startup or your solopreneur business. You really need to plan pretty well in advance. My first piece of advice for you, if you're a solopreneur or a startup, would be get a whiteboard and draw a line down the middle and identify on the left, I want you to write down everything that could go wrong, everything that you're worried about blowing up, everything that you're worried about going wrong. And then on the right-hand side, you're going to write a prevention plan for each of those worst-case scenarios. This is my favorite activity to do. And even when I'm feeling really anxious or uncertain in business or like when COVID was hitting or like we, you know, if we have a recession coming up in the next couple of years, 
what are the worst case scenarios? And then what can my prevention plan be? What's the most that I can do to stop this from happening? If you do that in your business, and whether you're a solopreneur or honestly, if you have a team, this is a really cool activity to do. And then the second part, and the most important part here, guys, is make sure to communicate really, really well to your clients that you'll be off and you want to be doing this as far in advance as you can. And then you want to remind them multiple times leading up to your leave because they don't really care. They don't remember. They're so busy doing their own stuff that they aren't going to remember exactly when your leave is. So you want to keep reminding them, keep letting them know so they can't turn around and say, oh, I didn't know you were going on holiday because you sent one email, right? So you just really want to make sure that you're communicating to your clients as far in advance as possible and do it as many times as you can. If you're a solopreneur or a startup, I would also create an FAQ, like a frequently asked questions that you can have attached to the out of office email that you're going to put up when you go on leave to to any questions that any of your clients or prospective clients might have about working with you. So it could just be like a one pager or a two pager with your most commonly asked questions. When are you going to be back? What should I do if I need help? When are you taking on new clients? I'm having some troubles with my invoices. What can I do? Whatever your most frequently asked questions are or things that you think they're most likely to ask while you're away, actually create that into like a little PDF document and have it connected to your out of office when you're away. You want to be very clear about boundaries as well and contact hours. So if you're going away and you have told your clients and and you really want to communicate this not only before you go on leave, but also in your out of office email that goes out, be very clear about what days and times, if any, that you will be online and where they can go to get support or what they have to do in the meantime to get support. And then stick to them. You will create the bed that you lie in. So if you are on holiday and you get on your emails and you reply to people outside of the boundaries and contact hours that you set, then you're immediately training your clients to not respect your boundaries because you don't even respect your boundaries. So I'm okay for you to jump online while you're away, but then schedule the emails to go out outside of those in those boundary hours, okay? Or be really clear when you're replying to those emails that, oh, I know I'm not supposed to be replying because I'm on my holiday, but you know, just FYI, I don't usually do this. Here's the quick email. Really make sure that you set the boundaries and you stick to them. You're setting them for a reason. So go and enjoy your damn break. When you're on holiday, make sure to set a work schedule for yourself. So for some of you, you might go on holiday. Like for me with my honeymoon, I'm going on holiday and my wedding and I don't plan to work at all. Okay. When I was in Bali, I didn't plan to work at all. But there are some holidays that I go on where I love to work and I love to pull out my laptop and get stuff done. And I don't mind jumping on for an hour every day. So really identify for yourself, what kind of holiday is this? And then If you're going to do a little bit of work, make sure that you set a work schedule for yourself. So I will only get online on these days and times to check in and then hold yourself accountable or better yet, have your holiday buddy hold you accountable or your husband or your partner or your wife or whoever you're taking away with you to only work in those hours. Guys, you and I both know that working is a slippery slope. You open up your Instagram and all of a sudden you're doing DMs and messages and then all of a sudden you're checking your emails and all of a sudden you're putting out fires. So be really, really mindful that if you are going to work, like set the timer and then get off your phone, get off your computer and go and enjoy the break that you so deserve. From a mindset perspective, I want you to let go of the idea that you need to work hard to make money. If you're a startup or a solopreneur, you're probably still in this mindset. And the reason that you're in the mindset is not because you're broken and it's not a problem. It's only it's just not super helpful for you. 
we've all been raised with the conditioning that the harder you work, the more money you make. And so all of our parents have worked really hard. All of our colleagues as we were growing up, at school you were told to work hard, study hard. Then you went to university, you had to work hard and study hard. And so it is normal that you think that you have to work hard to make money. But you have to start letting go of this belief system because you need time to rest. And that's why we have annual leave as a legal requirement as an employee. And yet most startups, most solopreneurs, and even most multi six or seven figure business owners don't actually take anywhere near four weeks of leave every single year to be able to rest and recharge. Your body needs that. That's why it's a legal requirement if you are an employee in a company. So please take the time off. You deserve it. Do not feel guilt. Do not feel bad. Just prep. Just prepare. And if you prepare well for your holiday and if you communicate really well to your clients, your business will not burn down while you're away. And my last hot tip for you is that if you're a solopreneur or a startup, even if you have a team, this one is totally valid as well. From my experience and that of my clients, people love to watch you go on holiday. So social media engagement is going to go through the roof and your clients are going to want to get to know you more. So don't be scared to jump online and share snippets of your trip, but remember not to fall into a scroll hole or jump into the navel of your business and try and put out all the fires because like I said, checking socials can very easily lead to checking emails and then doing lots of work. So show people your holiday online if you want to because it's a really, really great way to create some engagement in your world. Now, on to the second section. So for established businesses with teams, the first thing that you want to do if you have a team is to identify what tasks that you and only you can do. Okay, because there are going to be tasks in your team, like it might be payroll, you know, you might be, you know, the graphic designer in your business that's doing the graphic design. I might be the coach, I might be the only coach in my business. So identify what are the tasks that you and only you can do. And then you have three choices if you have a team. One, you can train somebody up to do what you do. And I would be really, really mindful here if there's a story that you've just had run in your head that says, no one else can do what I do the way that I do it. Not yet they can't, but one day they can. You learned those skills from somewhere so you can teach them to somebody else so that they also have those skills, okay? But if you don't have the time, you might be able to train somebody up or you can put the task on hold. So for example, if I am if I run a coaching business and I'm the only coach and I don't have another coach and I don't want to train somebody up, then I'm just not going to be able to coach while I'm away, okay? Or you can three, do it while you're away if you can, okay? So you have three choices. You can train someone up, you can put the task on hold while you're away, or you can actually do the task while you're away if you can. Okay, so they're your three choices. So identify what tasks you and only you can do. Then identify what tasks your team can do and create processes for them. So if you decided to train somebody up, awesome. What does that training period look like? How would you know when their training period has been successful? What are the milestones they'll have to be achieving by the time that you go on leave so that you feel super comfortable with them doing that task? When we're talking about processes, it's a really dry topic. (laughs) And I want to be really clear here that a process doesn't need to be a 17-page written document, okay? Most of our processes in my business are videos that I just recorded on loom with a checklist or a cheat sheet attached, okay? So just keep it really simple. What's the shortest, fastest way that you can train somebody in this? What's the shortest, fastest way that you can record a process on this? 
It is really important for me to add here about team communication, okay? So especially when you're delegating new tasks to team members, you definitely want to have a list of tasks that you want to pass on to your team. And this is whether you're going on holiday or not, okay? When you're thinking about passing off new tasks, if you're feeling overwhelmed, if you have a lot on your plate, you know that you need some support, write down all the tasks that you're doing right now, all the ones that you think that you could pass off to a team member, and then have a think about each of your team members' backgrounds, interests, and skills, and start to think about which task will be best based on their previous experience. So that's the first part. The second part is then to actually ask them if they're interested. What I have found personally in my own business is that the more that the team love the tasks they're doing, one, the faster they get them done, which is obviously great for efficiency and then great for your bottom line because you're not spending hours and hours and hours on payroll for tasks that take a really long time because it's not that person's area of genius. But two, they love doing it and so they're super excited to do it and so they love their job and so you keep them happy long term and it's just a win-win for everybody involved, okay? So I'm going to give you a little example about this. A couple of, maybe about a year ago, I had a heap of tasks. I was feeling really overwhelmed. I had a heap of tasks on my plate, including my social media, including engagement, including podcast recording and management, like editing and lots of other stuff that was on my list. I wrote down all of the tasks and I went to one of my team members who I knew had some capacity to take on extra tasks. And I said to her, here's all of the tasks that I have available. I'd love to know which ones you're interested in doing and which ones you think you'd be best at. She was like, I could do all of them, but the ones that I would love to do are these ones. And so I gave her those ones. Then I went to my next team member and I was like, I have these tasks left. Do you think that you have any interest in doing these tasks? And they said, yes. And they went and picked the next task and so on and so forth until all of the tasks were off my plate. Not only were they now off my plate, but they were being done by people who felt like they had a choice in actually doing it, two, loved the work they were doing and were super excited to start the task, and three, got the task done in like 24 hours, which was unbelievable because they couldn't wait to work on it. So, when you're delegating tasks to your team, don't just be like, oh, do this or do that or do this or I expect you to do this, you know? Start picking it based on their areas of genius. Make them love it. Get them excited about it and let them feel like they have choice. That's really, really important, Okay. So identify what tasks you and only you can do and then decide whether or not you're going to do them or whether you're going to train somebody up. Identify what tasks your team can do and then create processes around them and potentially milestones so that you know that they're at the stage they need to be at from a training perspective to be able to take on those tasks while you're away. And then make sure that you're communicating incredibly well with your team and getting them really excited about the new tasks that they're taking on. And then last but not least, and this is going to be probably quite a big topic and probably something that could have had its own podcast, but identify your critical success factors. So your critical success factors are factors in your business, which are obviously critical to its success. It's not only identifying what the critical success factors are, but also what the baselines are. So for example, in my business, they are marketing, So how much content do we need to create and put out and where to, to be able to get X amount of engagement, X amount of leads, and then moving into our second point, which is sales. So how many sales calls do we need to have booked to be able to reach our financial targets and continue to operate our business with healthy profit margins and to be able to pay and love on our team and our clients? And then last but not least, number three for us is customer service. So what availability and processes do we require to ensure that our customer service is incredible and that our clients continue to get the same level? 
level of service, regardless of whether I'm in the business or not, right? So they're the three, and we have five, but they're three critical success factors for us. So marketing, sales, and customer service. The only way that you can pick and really identify your critical success factors is if you know your numbers. The reason I love critical success factors so much as a business is because often we're making decisions from a really emotional point of view. Like we're like, oh, I feel like my team members are unhappy. I feel like my clients are unhappy. I just feel like we're not getting enough leads. I just feel like our sales process isn't working. There's a lot of feel, 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 feel. And if you're doing that in business right now, my love, you just don't have enough data and the data is all there. You're just not collecting it. Okay. And so for us in our business, we had to really take time because I'm a really naturally feeling very intuitive person. So for me, I had to take the time to really start to understand and get to know these metrics. All right. So as an example, with marketing, you know, how much content do we need to put out and where to, to be able to generate the amount of leads that we need to be able to hit our financial goals, right? That took me ages to figure out because I had to figure out exactly how many leads we needed first, which is, you know, for example, 10 times the amount of sales calls booked. Is It might be the amount of leads that we need as an example. So let's say we need 3,000 leads a month or 2,000 leads per month or 1,000 leads per month, whatever it might be. And then working that back, all right, well, then how much content do we need to put out to be able to generate that? How many new lead magnets do we need to be able to create? How many free downloadables? How many conversations do we need to start? What does that process need to look like to get us there? Now, if you're setting your financial targets based, which you should be, based on previous financial targets, then you will know exactly what kind of marketing worked to get you to that point. You will know exactly how many sales you made to get you to that point. So actually, you just need to backtrack on what you've done previously, look at those numbers, and then start to generate these figures for yourself, right? And this is what's going to make, instead of having that really feeling-based business, you're going to start having a very logic-based business. Like it's just numbers and figures, right? And that way it stops being so damn overwhelming and like anxious and anxiety-filled and it starts to be really like, okay, cool, we just need to do this. Oh, okay, amazing. We just need to do this. And then you can put all of that feeling, all of that emotion, all of that love that you're wanting to feel, all of that abundance that you're trying to feel, you can generate and put that back into your clients rather than sitting there and worrying about your numbers and your money. Okay. So like I said, you can only do critical success factors if you know your numbers. So how many sales do you need each week or each month to break even? You need to know that number. What is your break even figure? How much money do you need to be able to make to be able to break even? How many sales do you require? How many sales calls do you require to be able to get that many sales? How many leads do you require to be able to get that many sales calls booked? Um, How much content do we need to create to be able to generate that many leads? So just work it backwards, all right? Each one of these sections did take me quite a bit of time to pull the data together and to really change around my decision-making from that feeling and emotional, which I still tap into for my business, but also to have that logical data to back me up, okay? It's so that I understand what my business actually needs to run well and grow. To be able to identify your critical success factors, what I would recommend is getting out a journal and writing down what are the three to five things that would be most likely to cause my business to fail. And these things will become your critical success factors. And it would serve you best if you started to create some time in your world to dig around and understand this a little bit better. So for me, like if we don't market, we're not going to have new conversations. We're not going to be able to generate bigger impact. We're not going to be able to help more people. So marketing for us is really important. If we don't have someone that's able to jump on and and help like potential clients with questions about our mastermind and have, you know, potential sales calls, we're not going to be able to generate the new income that we need. And also, of course, the impact that we need to be able to help these people. And then last but not least, 
If our customer service is no good, then our entire business goes down the drain. So for me, customer service is a number one priority. In fact, I would actually say that customer service is number one in the things that we focus on being perfect first before we even worry about leads and sales. Because if you focus on making your customers number one and they love everything that you do and they froth on what you do and they can feel that everything is curated for them, that they're feeling so supported, so seen and so heard, they're going to be raving about you to their friends. And then you're going to have so many more leads. You're going to have so many more referrals. You're going to have so many more sales calls because your customers are selling it for you. So customer service is is an absolute critical success factor for us. And then if you're a business with a team, from a mindset perspective, you've really got to treat your holiday like an experiment. Okay. So I would just go full hands off the wheel and then things that blow up, things that fall down, things that don't work, things that go wrong, they're going to give you all of the insights as to where your blind spots are and what processes still need to be added. And here's the kicker. You also don't really need to do any of this. <laughs> Everything I've said right now, you don't have to do any of it because just like no business is an overnight success, there is no such thing as overnight failure. Your business is not going to crumble in a, in a matter of two weeks, okay? But if there was one piece of advice, regardless of whether you're a startup or a solopreneur, regardless of whether you have a team, whether you're earning zero dollars, whether you're earning multi-seven figures, the number one thing that you need to do for your business while you go on leave is to communicate a lot to your clients about your upcoming leave with love So not being like, we're taking leave, good luck, really love on them. Like, thank you so much for your support. You know, we're so glad to take this break, you know, really love on them. Maybe even get them a little bit involved. We're going here. If you have any tips, let me know. But communicate with them with love and then with the action steps for them that they need. So who they should contact, how they should get help, potentially some FAQs in your out-of-office email and with plenty of notice and plenty of reminders. If you just communicate really, really, really well to your clients, they will be patient with you. They will be so patient with you while you're away and they will totally understand that you're not on deck and everything will be forgiven when you get back on deck. If you do this, your business will not only survive, but it'll probably actually thrive. This is how I plan my weeks. This is how I plan my leave when I'm going away. And I wanted to share it with you. Some of the other things that we have done over the years to ensure that I can take leave is one, we've hired an operations manager. So someone is actually there to manage the entire business who is a trained operations manager who knows our business like the back of her hand. I also have an online business manager who's kind of our admin manager. Um, She's been with me for five years. So she knows a thing or two about how we do what we do and how we make decisions. And then last but not least, we do have a sales team. So that means that we're always able to support new clients who are interested in our mastermind. And like I said, grow while I'm away. Every single time I'm away, we always generate more income than when I'm in Perth. So I basically should perpetually live on holiday. But they're some of the key team members that have really allowed me to be able to create this business and to be able to go away and take leave like the two weeks that I'm going to have off while I get married and go on my honeymoon. So I hope you found this helpful today. I'd love to know what your biggest takeaway was. I would love for you to slide into my DMs and tell me, or even better, take a screenshot and tell me what your favorite thing was, and I'll share it to my stories. But I hope you really enjoyed today's episode, and I'll see you next week. 
babe, thank you for tuning into today's episode. It means the absolute world to have you here with me. If you want more, head to the show notes below to check out our latest free resources, along with the exclusive link for podcast listeners to book in a free 15-minute strategy session to find out how you can boom your biz. 